Have you ever wondered how the first person to ever batch a brew of coffee came up with the idea? Where did it come from? Who decided that it would be a good idea to find some random bean of a plant, then heat it up, then crush it, heat it up to a certain temperature, crush it, pour some hot water over it, and then capture those drips and drink it? My guess is that it was a sleep-deprived parent who didn't really know what they were doing in the first place. But the world has never been the same since. Or who first thought that you could harvest the blood from another human being and they would still live to tell about it? How do they know which vein to poke and how to poke that vein? How do they know that the vein would seal itself back up again? How did they know how much blood they should take and how much blood they should leave? And then who can actually receive that blood? I don't know the names of the people who came up with both these life-giving discoveries, but props to them. Millions of people have benefited from their discoveries. The world teaches us to base our worth and our value in comparing ourselves to others. We look up to others and admire how smart they are, admire how beautiful they are, or how resourceful or handy they are. We look at ourselves disappointed, telling ourselves, I can never be like that person. I can never be that smart, I can never be that beautiful, I can never be that handy, I can never be that resourceful, that good, or you fill in the blank with anything else here. That's what the world teaches. And we often find ourselves falling into that trap. And that trap has a tendency to even seep into the church as well. We can judge our value or our worth based on how we compare to others. There are certain aspects of ministry that we hold in higher regard to others. Have you ever found yourself thinking that the pastor is more important than the person who removes snow? That the Sunday school is more important than the student who comes to Sunday school? That the one who takes the offering and counts it and deposits it is more important than the one who puts the offering in the plate? Or maybe we look at others and say, I'm not as mature as they are in Christ. I don't know enough of God's word, and so I'm not as good as they are. We often find ourselves falling into that same trap. It's easy for us to rank the various aspects of ministry or to rank our own performance in Christianity based on others. And even though we know we shouldn't do it, we still find ourselves slipping into it anyway. It can be a bit like a white elephant gift exchange where you open a dud of a gift and somebody else opens this marvelous gift and you're envious of it. I want you to open your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter 35. In this chapter, we see a few different people who are given gifts by God himself that maybe aren't the gifts that we would expect God to give. And as I read this passage, notice how God speaks of the people working on the sanctuary. Exodus chapter 35, and I'll be reading verses 29 through, verses, through chapter 36, verse 2. And again, if you are able, I'll invite you to stand out of respect for God's word. Exodus chapter 35, beginning in verse 29. The Israelites, all the men and women whose heart moved them to bring material for all the work, which the Lord had commanded through Moses to be done, and brought a freewill offering to the Lord. Then Moses said to the sons of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all craftsmanship, to make designs for working in gold and in silver and in bronze, and in the cutting of stones for settings, and in the carving of wood, so as to perform in every inventive work. 
He also has put in, in his heart to teach both he and Aholiab, the son of Ahasamach, of the tribe of Dan. He has filled them with skill to perform every work of an engraver, and of a designer, and of an embroiderer, in blue and in purple and in scarlet material, and in fine linen, and of a weaver as performers of every work and makers of designs. Now Bezalel and Aholiab, and every skillful person whom the Lord has put skill and understanding to know how to perform all the work in the construction of the sanctuary, shall perform in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. Then Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab, and every skillful person in whom the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred him, to come to the work to perform it. Father God, these are your words, and your word is truth. We pray this morning that you would sanctify us in your truth here today. Encourage us with your word. Lord, move in our hearts and in our lives through your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. At the beginning of Exodus 35, Moses gathers the people of the congregation of the sons of Israel. And he has a message for them. He tells them what the Lord has commanded them to do. In verse 18, Moses preaches at them. And he shares the word of God with them. In verse 20, we read that the congregation departed from Moses' presence. And I'll invite you to look at chapter 35, verse 20, and answer me this. Is this what the text says? They all went their separate ways, forgetting what God has said by the time they went on to their next activity on their schedules. You know that's not what happened. That's not what happened. God delivers his word to these people and they don't forget about it. Instead, they are moved by the word of God and they do what God had told them to do. And they started to bring the offerings that the Lord had told them to bring in. And we see them doing it willingly here. They brought in their jewelry and the items of gold and offered it to the Lord. They brought material in and linen and animal skins and hair and silver and bronze. All of these fine and precious things, where did they get them from? Remember, just a few months ago, they were slaves. And here they are with all of these riches. They got all these things from the Egyptians, who pretty much paid them to leave, if you remember from the, end of, or the beginning of Exodus. In verses 25 through 26, we read that the skilled women are the ones who spun the goat hair into material. I'm not sure how you do that, but God has uniquely gifted a few different people who know this craft and who are able to take goat hair and turn it into something beautiful, turn it into something useful. And God did this through these gifted women to be used for his sanctuary. And verse 29 describes men and women both voluntarily bringing these items to the Lord. The text says that their hearts moved them. They wanted to do it. They were compelled to do it. Another translation says that they were eager to do it, eager to help. Nobody was forced into the job, but they voluntarily did it because they wanted to, because they desired to do it. They wanted to serve the Lord in that way, and so they served. They served the Lord, and they offered to him the fruits of their labor. They offered to him the riches and valuables that they had, and they brought them before the Lord. The question comes, how did these individuals know what to do? How do they know what exactly they were supposed to bring in and what they could keep for themselves? Putting it simply, they were told. Moses shared the word of the Lord with them. And the Lord moved in their hearts and gave them the desire to give of their time, to give of their talents, to give of even their possessions. And we notice here that everyone isn't doing the same thing. Not everyone is spinning the goat hair. Not everyone is bringing the precious jewels. Not everyone is bringing the gold. 
The skilled women spun, the rulers brought the precious stones, and each person brought what the Lord moved in their hearts to bring. And again, all of this is done freely and willingly to the Lord because the Lord, through his word, is moving in their hearts. The next couple of verses were introduced to two special people, Bezalel and Aholiab. Quick raise of hands. Who here ever remember hearing about them or learning about these people? It's kind of what I thought. I don't remember that either. It's not a Sunday school lesson. That's one of the first ones that were taught. But these people are written down. They're named in Scripture, and they are important for us to learn. And so we look at them. Look at how the Bible describes these men in verses 31. And he, talking about the Lord here, has filled him, has filled Bezalel with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding and in knowledge and in all craftsmanship to make designs for working in gold and in silver and in bronze and in the cutting of stones for settings and in the carving of wood so as to perform in every inventive work. He also has put in his heart to teach both he and Aholiab. He has filled them with skill to perform every work of an engraver and of a designer and of an embroiderer in blue and in purple and in scarlet material and in fine linen and of a weaver as performers of every work and makers of designs. Both of these men received something from the Lord himself. Scripture says that they were filled with the Spirit of God. And what does it look like that these men are filled with the Spirit of God? Do we see them speaking in a different language here? No, that's not what this filling of the Spirit of God did. Do we see them becoming the world's first Billy Graham and going out on various crusades? We don't see that there either. Did it make them world-renowned preachers or teachers? Not here in Deschler. None of us knows about them. They were given wisdom, understanding, and knowledge in their craft. For Bezalel, that meant working with metal and crafting and hammering it and forming it into beautiful, intricate, and ornate designs. A holy hab was filled with the Spirit, too, to be a gifted engraver and designer and embroiderer. Neither of those jobs or skill sets jump off the page at you as spiritual work, do they? And yet this is what the Lord filled them with His Spirit to do. You probably won't read about pursuing these crafts in an evangelism book, and yet these men were given the specific skill set that was necessary for the construction of the tabernacle. The Lord himself gave them their skills, filled them with wisdom, filled them with his spirit and knowledge. The Lord gave them their artistic abilities. And not so that they would be famous, but that the tabernacle would be constructed in accordance to God's design and instructions that Moses was given on top of the mountain. I skipped over these men's heritage. But if you look in verse 30 and verse 34, you can read where these men come from, where they're descended from, which tribe of Israel they're from. Bezalel comes from the tribe of Judah, Oholiab from the tribe of Dan, which doesn't mean a whole lot to us. But there was one tribe that was to be set apart for the work of ministry, and those were the Levites, the tribe of Levi. Dan and Judah weren't the tribes that were set apart for the office of doing ministry. They weren't the tribes that were called by God to minister as priests. Those, again, were the Levites. And they were set apart as the firstborn of the people. They would be the ones who weren't given land when they were given the promised land. They were instead given cities. But we see here these men from these tribes not to give into full-time ministry, yet filled with the Spirit of God to do the work of ministry. This ministry looks a little differently a little different than the other ministry. But if it weren't for these men, 
If it weren't for God gifting these men with with his wisdom and knowledge and skill, then the construction of the tabernacle wouldn't have been done. The Levites would not have had a place to minister. There would be no place to perform their priestly minister, their ministry. There would be no altar or mercy seat upon which to sacrifice the blood and to offer that blood for the forgiveness of sins. There would be no dwelling place of God amongst his people. Bezalel and Aholiab were essential workers in the economy of God. They were essential for the work of God amongst his people. They weren't better than others. They weren't lesser than others. They were just as essential. And God had filled them with his spirit to do this work amongst his people. He had gifted and filled these men with his spirit for the job that he called them to do. And he has also equipped them, just as he called and equipped these skilled women, or the women wise of heart, as another translation puts it. The Lord filled these people with his spirit and with his wisdom so that they would be skilled, so they could do their craft as unto the Lord. They were called by God, filled by God, equipped by God for the work of service. God had given them a job to do. It was different than the job he gave Moses, different than the job he gave Aaron, different than the job he gave the Levites, yet just as essential were each of these workers. The tabernacle was the place where God would make known his saving grace, where people, where broken sinners would go for forgiveness, where they could enter into God's presence. And in the wisdom of God, this is how he chose to work, to give his spirit to these workers that they would be able to construct this tabernacle in accordance with his word, that God might dwell among them. That he might make his name known, not only to the Israelites, but to the whole world as well. Bezalel and Aholiab and every skillful person, every wise of heart person, person to whom the Lord has given skill and understanding, were to perform in accordance with all that the Lord had commanded. They were called by God to construct a sanctuary, And Moses called these men and women, everyone in whom the Lord had put skill. And every one of them, everyone whose heart was stirred by the word of God, went to work. And they came to do the work that God had uniquely called them to do. The next few chapters in Exodus record the specific detail in which these people worked. It's almost word for word as the word that God gave to Moses on top of the mountain. Word for word, according to the blueprint the Lord gave to Moses just a few chapters before, the tabernacle is being built by people who are using the skill that God had given to them, that God had equipped them for, so that God might make his name known among his people. The Lord works in the congregation in much of the same way today. Paul writes about the various spiritual gifts that the Lord gives to the congregation for the building up of itself in love towards maturity into Christ. We looked at that this morning in the previous weeks in Sunday school class. Every believer, everyone who has received Christ, who has been baptized into Christ in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, has received the Holy Spirit and is filled with the Holy Spirit. We're told in Ephesians that in Christ Jesus we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The congregation has been given every gift necessary for the ministry that God calls us to do. And these gifts are to be used as directed by the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And we lack nothing. Even in a congregation of this size this morning, we lack nothing. God has gifted and equipped us for the work of ministry. Think about that for a second. 
Every believer in this congregation has been given a gift, and every gift is different. Who are the Aholiabs here in this congregation? The gifted artists who have been able to serve the Lord with their art. Who are the different Bezalels who are skilled in metal fabrication or construction and various handyman jobs that the Lord uses and works through? Who are the gifted teachers and evangelists, the organizers and the administrators, people with the gift for hospitality and for reaching out? Each gift is different, and God has given this congregation gifts to be used for the furthering of his kingdom. Perhaps each of these things aren't the first things that come to your mind when you think of spiritual gifts or the work of ministry that God has called you for, or that God has uniquely gifted and equipped you for by all authority in heaven and on earth. He has given to you his spirit, and he has given to you skills and abilities that nobody else has. It's a privilege that every believer has been given. And God calls each one of us to use the various gifts he's given for the common good, for the building up of the body of Christ, to use the gifts he's given to us for the building up of our neighbors, to bring that ministry of reconciliation for others, to proclaim Christ and all of his excellencies. As Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor, not laying behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. He also writes in Ephesians 4 these words, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Christ has given to each one of us this gift of grace, as he has saved us, as he has redeemed us, as he has called us to be his children. And therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, when Christ ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and gave gifts to men. He has delivered the captives, you and I, who were held in bondage to sin and to the devil. And he has released us. He has freed us from that bondage. And he has transferred us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his son, the kingdom of light. And he has given us gifts of service to serve one another. He has equipped us to be slaves of righteousness, servants of righteousness. Our crucified and risen Savior has called and equipped you for the work of service in his kingdom. You have been given a gift that no one else in this congregation has been given. Hear the word of the Lord. Be filled with the Spirit and be moved by the Spirit and do the work that God has called you. Not only has he called you, but he has equipped you and he has freed you to do. I want to close with a little illustration here. This morning, as I walked to church, I was wearing a glove, right? Do you think I was wearing this glove here? Wayne thinks I was. Shows you how much of a southerner you are. No, you don't wear a baseball glove to keep your hand warm. This glove was given, created for a purpose, right? That purpose wasn't to keep my hands warm in negative weather. This glove, on the other hand, was used to, to keep my hands warm, but it's not big enough. I had to take out the big guns today. Here's another glove that I actually wore. Or there's a different thing. Both of these are hats. 
created for a specific purpose. Which one do you think I wore this morning walking to church? This one over here, because it's a little thicker and its purpose was to keep someone warm. This purpose is to make all the Royals fans happy and to watch, keep the sun out of your eyes as well. So taunting and happiness and all that good stuff. Similarly, each one of us has been created for a purpose. Each one of us has a unique gift that God has given to us, that God has freed us to use in his kingdom. If we're all trying to be a baseball glove, we're not going to be warm in the winter. If we're all trying to be a baseball hat, we're not going to be warm in the winter either. But as we use each of these gifts in accordance with the way and the purpose for which they have been given, God is at work among us, and God is making his name known, and we are doing the ministry that he has called us to do. You two were made for a purpose, and that purpose is to proclaim the excellencies of Christ. Using the gift and the spirit of God which he has given to each one of us, this is the work that he has called us to do. We may never be famous, but that's not the point. Just as we don't really know, we probably won't remember Bezalel or Holiab's name, the purpose is that the name of the Lord would be made known. And this is the reason why we use our gifts to serve him in his kingdom. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you and we praise you for your word and for its truth. Thank you, God, that you work through your word and through your word you call us, you equip us, you release us into service. Father, through your word you save us as well. We praise you for that. I pray this morning, Father, that you would help us to know the gifts that you have given to us and that we would be faithful in using them for the purpose for which you have given them to us. Father, we pray that we'd be an encouragement to one another. We pray, Lord, that we would be working for your kingdom, not for our kingdom, not for our own namesake, but, Father, that people would come to know you and what you have done. And that as they see us working with the skills with which you have given to us, Lord, that they would see you at work in us fallen, poor, miserable sinners. Thank you, Father, for giving us your spirit. Thank you, Father, for giving us gifts of grace to be used in your service. And thank you, Father, for calling us and equipping us to be on your team and to serve you. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.